I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to the Train Happy Podcast. My name is Tally Rye and today I'm always excited to introduce the guest each week. But this week I'm joined by two of my closest friends and people I have really grown up with in the fitness space and that is Zana Van Dyke and Victoria Spence. Now you may know that we had a podcast together called the Fit and Fearless podcast and we have spent a lot of time talking about fitness together online and in events and we get we get into all of this in our chat um, but it was really lovely to sit down with them and reflect on our old food and fitness rules that we had and how we overcame them and you know discuss how we view food and exercise now and it was such a lovely conversation I had so much fun recording this I hope you have just as much fun listening to it now I do want to flag that we will be discussing disordered eating behaviors disordered exercise behaviors and eating disorders so I do want to just remind you that if you're not ready to listen to this episode yet that's totally fine and obviously before we get into the conversation with Zana and Vicky. It is time for this week's Train Happy Trooper of the Week. This week's Train Happy Moment comes from Jordan and she says, My Train Happy Moment was after setting my New Year goals and acknowledging the areas of my life that I would like to improve, then being completely blown away a day later when I realised that for the first time in my adult life, health and fitness wasn't an area I had decided needed improving because I'm finally content and happy with eating and moving from a place of enjoyment and love for nourishing my body. It has been a constant goal for me for the last 12 years and felt unsatisfiable. A huge freeing and proud moment for me. Thank you so much for sharing that with us Jordan and I I think it's deeply reflective of the conversation that Zana and Vicky and I have because I I think we probably feel the same way. So if you would like to have your train happy moment shared like Jordan did, then please email us in to trainhappymoment at gmail.com or you can direct message us on the train happy Instagram account, which is at train happy podcast. Okay, enough from me. Let's get into it. So today is a special episode of the train happy podcast because we're having a reunion for those who don't know, I was part of another podcast called Fit and Fearless. And before that, I was um, part of, I was technically a business, right? Um, with Zana Van Dyke and Victoria Spence, who are joining me today. We're going to have a Fit and Fearless reunion on the Train Happy podcast. Welcome, girls. Hi! Hi. <laughs> this is so nice because this is very much for our own benefit of just catching up as well as being a podcast for people's ears to listen to I'm looking forward to it mate and we've just got so much to reflect on because since we first met like things have just absolutely transformed and evolved so far so I think some nuggets will be dropped today well it was interesting because 
few weeks ago on um, Instagram, I had posted about, you know, like food rules and exercise rules. And it was so funny how like we all have them and often similar ones because a lot of them were of the time that we started our, you know, getting serious about our fitness journeys. Yeah, we spurred each other on, really. We, we did. Was like, we really spurred each other on. <laughs> we did, we did. Right, so for people thinking, like, who on earth are these people? Um, Zana, do you want to introduce yourself and a bit about you and what you do? Sure. So, I'm Zana, Zana van Dyke. I am a lanky, blonde human being, over six foot two. If you meet me, it's the first thing you'll notice. And um, I am a personal trainer, so all of us are PTs, and we bonded through our connection through fitness. And now I'm an online content creator as well as the co-founder of Stay Wild, which is a sustainable fashion brand. Amazing. That is you. Um, and I feel like that was the most modest introduction to you. Was. I thought, oh, we're going to be here all day. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like we've been doing, we've been in this game for a while now. You've got many credits to your name. Oh, thanks, girls. Thank you. <laughs> um, Vicky, Vicky, what about you? Yeah. I feel like that. I'm, I'm not very good to go after Zana with. I'm not very good at. Um, keeping it short and concise when people ask me who I am I'm like I, I, I don't know I posted a thing on TikTok the other week and I was like hi I'm I'm Manchester and I'm from Victoria like that's what I'm like but anyway so I'm <laughs> I'm Vic <laughs> it's the truth I'm Vic and um what am I so I'm a confidence coach and mentor that's a bulk of what I do now. I did personal train for five years, but I kind of stepped away from that because I realized that I was really passionate about helping people with the mindset side and um, almost more, more towards like their mental health and, and really figuring out who they are. So I stepped away from personal training and went into the life coaching mentoring space and yeah, love that thrive. I've got, um, well, I'm kind of just starting my glow up business sort of thing. I've got quite a lot of things coming in the way with that. So yeah fun that's um, me we have been friends for um seven years seven years seven years seven years wow about literally about this time like it's about our friend anniversary about this time we were recording in march <laughs> um 2021 and we met at a fitness expo when we were deep in fitspo world and what was the fitness scene of kind of 2014 and that was very much heavy on bodybuilding and bikini um competitive competing bikini competition competing competitions and we met like we did the thing that everyone's parents tell them not to do we met strangers off the internet we traveled to birmingham in the uk which none of us are from and we hit it off from then, I mean, we're totally different people to those people that met in that at like Body Power, this fitness expo. But we've remained friends through it all. We've been on an, an evolutionary journey together, haven't we, girls? Yeah. So we, so from there, this is like the brief history of our friendship, and and to give context to this, we 
we became friends like really quickly and I think it was like later that same year we decided that we love this connection that we'd made with these other people off the internet and how great were these other girls I found and we decided we would start a hashtag at the time because hashtags were the rage um, called hashtag girl games and then we created an account called the girl games and then it all went from there so Zana do you want to I'm going to pass the baton to you and you can explain mm-hmm. what girl games was and, and what we did so girl games as Tally said it started out as a hashtag and then it developed in a, into a community so we had a lot of women using the girl games hashtag um, and we kind of felt like we wanted to we kind of felt like we launched the hashtag. There's only a couple of people using it when we first mentioned it online and then kind of everybody gravitated towards it and it became a huge hashtag and we were like, okay, maybe we should try and bring this hashtag back to where it originated, which was a community of women connecting together. So we decided to turn it into Girl Games events. So we started hosting face-to-face events where we would do everything from making protein balls through to hosting workouts, indoors, outdoors, doing like, um, Q&A panels and conversations and bringing together women to basically we used to say like educate and empower educate empower and inspire I think it was um, women and it was amazing like I feel like those were some absolute golden years girls like we just had such a good time at those events and we connected with so many incredible women and got to share our message and our journey with them um, and over time that did evolve into <clears throat> a podcast which we did with the BBC which was called Fit and Fearless so Girl Games evolved from a hashtag to a in-person community to then a podcast and then now we've kind of dispersed off and gone in our own sort of directions in the world but it was an absolutely incredible journey and I think the best thing that we got from it was our friendship and that's the thing that's lasted the longest so very grateful for that. I know there are still people who are friends from those events that are still really good friends. People live together off the back of meeting through those events and yeah, made those strong, hopefully like long lasting connections. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was actually, I think when you said in-person events, I was just like, oh, to do that again right now would just be the best. Like I miss them so much in general. And you, I think what we did together was really, really special. I think people miss us yeah every time I do a question box it's like will the girl games do a reunion has has the girl games finished has the girl games podcast finished and I'm like you never know we might do a spice girls and do reunion reunion tour mate I'd love to do a reunion event one day how epic would that be I would Mm. be well up for it well up for (laughs) it um Train Happy Podcast exclusive. (laughs) Um, And I suppose whilst we're on the topic of fit and fearless, we should probably get into like one of the biggest FAQs is, is fit and fearless over? Like what is girl gains? I think Vicky kind of answered that, but I don't know if either of you have anything you want to add to that that question. We don't really know about fit and fearless, the podcast, because we do it contract to contract, but I think in terms of the girl games, we just, we, I think we'd all agree we got to a time with the girl games where it was almost like running faster than we were and it was kind of getting out of hand and we was like, oh my gosh, what is going on? And it was kind of getting to a point where the three of us were figuring out what we actually wanted and 
we was finding our own separate little passions and I think we had to just have this conversation I think it was just after we was on this morning so it just went wild and we just had to have this conversation where we were we were like do we want to run with this and we probably have to put a lot more of our time or if not all of our time into the girl games as a business or do we follow our own passions and kind of go our separate ways but I guess it was in a way to like save our friendship because you know friendships can get lost in business like business is a messy thing so um it was it was for the best I do sometimes think what would have happened like where would it be now but we you know I don't talk about fitness so much anymore like and we I guess we all have kind of different approaches to what how we see health and fitness so yeah and what's interesting also is like it's important to point out that we met early in our 20s and Vicky was I think were you even 19 I was 19 yeah and I was I'm the oldest so I was 23 23 when we mm-hmm. met you were like 21 Sana yeah 21 22 21 and everyone grows in their 20s and I'm 30 now <laughs> and like I'm a completely different person um in terms of what my values are, what is pa- what I'm passionate about. And I just think like, as you said, we just had to explore what those passions were and explore who we were as people and what, you know, what did we want to do? And I feel like that's really representative. Like Vicky, you've gone down the path of coaching, you know, as a life coach and Vicky um, and Zana's gone down the route of sustainability and when you were look um building the brand of stay wild swim something you're so passionate about and all the travel stuff you do and I just think and we'll get into this but basically I think what it was is at the start of girl gains fitness was our life food was our life nutrition was our life that was like our key personality trait (laughs) like it really was Mm -hmm. yeah um because it you know we we all came from various different scenarios and I'll let, you know, each of you should speak to your own story. But I feel like we bonded over the fact that the gym was our personality trait. Peanut butter was our personality trait. And the girls are laughing because they both came to my house and tried all the different peanut butters I had in my student house. Like we sat around and ate like 13 different peanut butters. Mm-hmm. Like, this was really important to us at the time. And what happened in our 20s is, and we always said this as Girl Gains, as we progressed with Girl Gains, like the gym stopped being our whole life. It became part of who we are. It became part of something that we enjoy. It was a hobby, but it was not our sole identity. And I think that's why we felt called to do different things because we were just developing our full selves and like realizing that there's more important things in the world than just solely focusing on this fitspo life and that we needed to you know explore other aspects of of ourselves I completely agree and also as Vic said like from day one we always agreed that the ultimate priority was our friendship and I think it got to the point where the business was going to get so big Mm. that it was like it would it would have impacted our friendship and Mm. none of us wanted that and I think that our friendships only become stronger by us becoming three different women with different views, different perspectives. And we all bring so much to our friendship because of the diversity of our interests. And I think that's, that's a pleasure. I love that. I think that's so true that we do bring different 
different aspects. So I don't know, we're going to get into basically, I think that what was, I wanted to have do this with you for so long, but I think what was particularly like a great opportunity to do this was to talk about how our relationship with fitness and food and our body image has evolved over the last seven years. And, you know, I mentioned earlier about the posting about workout rules and food rules that we had that we would never have even thought were necessarily a formal diet or were we or would identify as now being thinking oh this is pretty steeped in diet culture this is like where this came from we -hmm. just naively followed the advice at the time did what everyone else was doing follow people on instagram you know looked to coaches or whatever to to tell us what to do and so we I felt like we just I don't know like we didn't think anything of it we were just being healthy being fit and it's only since growing up I don't know other things you know priorities changing that realizing like oh that's funny that I did that thing or like isn't that kind of weird how I couldn't you know we'll get into it but like couldn't eat a meal without having a protein source you know, and, yeah. and those little things that had impacted our relationship with food and exercise and stuff. So I thought we could chat about those rules we had, maybe say where they came from, bust the myth around them if you want, if you feel you want to. And I don't know, just discuss like how we've grown since and, and how we view things since, if that's mm-hmm. cool. Do you yeah. want to jump in with food or fitness or just jump in anywhere? I reckon let's start with food. Okay. And then, so let's each go around and say a thing and then we can just discuss them. Because I think okay. this is going to be kind of funny, but also um, I think I think we're in a place where we can like laugh about it now. <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, I think people, a lot of people will resonate with this. Okay, I've got one that I can throw into the ring, girls. Drinking black coffee because it was lower calorie, even though I hated it. So I would never like let myself have a. So basically, I think it's basically around the mentality of drinking your calories. And there was a rule in my head of like, don't drink your calories, get your calories from food. So I thought somebody once told me a latte is the most calorific drink and it's however many calories. So I just wouldn't let myself have one. And I always drank black and I put in my little zero calorie drops. Do still have the drops though, love those. But, um, <laughs> put in my zero calorie drops in my zero calorie coffee and I hated it I did not actually enjoy the flavor but I had it because I thought that it was the healthiest or lowest calorie choice now we'll happily have an oat milk latte that's my favorite drink but it's interesting to me that I would actively choose something which I enjoyed less because I saw it as something that was lower calorie and therefore healthier or would take me towards my goals I don't know if you guys had anything similar I think the just the whole mindset of making myself believe that I enjoyed things when yes. I clearly didn't yes and it was almost as if I trained myself to believe and, and now I do a lot of mindset work it is physically possible to train yourself to believe that you like something and and you actually do not like the other thing when in reality the other thing was a thing that I really enjoyed and a thing that you know, I would go to now, but back then I trained myself to think that, you know, the lower calorie thing, the thing that quite frankly tasted like shit, 
was <laughs> the best thing for me and, and I absolutely loved it. I okay, feel you, mate, it, it's, it's the protein brownie. It's yep. the fact that you wouldn't just eat like a regular brownie, it's that you'd have the protein brownie that tasted like a rotten sponge, but you'd be like, this, this is the best brownie I've ever had. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and the, like, the, the thing I always go back to is like protein pancakes. And I remember when I was first dating Jack and I served them to him and he was like, I just don't like them. And I could not fathom that he didn't like them. I genuinely believed they were amazing. I genuinely thought I only liked, quote, clean food and that a black bean brownie satisfied me in the same way that a triple chocolate, you know, brownie would. And I... So glad you pointed that out, Vicky, because, oh my goodness, the amount of things I convinced myself I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard loads of, I've heard, um, when I was discussing this online recently, someone messaged and said about the protein in oats. And we, I feel like we all really um, were big on that. And we posted about that a lot online. And at the time, I think I genuinely did like it. I'd be interested after having a break from it, what I actually felt like now I think it would be funny if we did like a taste test of like all the Mm. things that we the concoctions we made versus the things that we actually enjoy now Tally you led the I love oats club I did and I was the biggest fan like I wanted to be a leader of the club but (laughs) I just want you know I wasn't big enough at the time you didn't know I existed but every single day I would post my oats and I literally would spend about an hour making oats like making them all look super pretty like valentine's day i did this chocolate baked oats and i put this heart on top like ridiculous because i wanted to be part of hashtag i love oats club i was yeah so i find it quite funny now that my whole like page online my whole kind of original content was food content that's what everyone was doing, but it was because I was so obsessed with food. So I thought it was ironic. I was obsessed with food, so I made the food content. But the food content I was consuming made me more obsessed with food. I like remember it was a- coming to your house, Tally, and you made us protein pancakes in the morning. And this pancake making session should have taken us about I don't know fifteen minutes, uh, but it took us like an hour and a half because you had to present them so perfectly for Instagram and to be honest we were in it we were there for it we were like Tally make it pretty I want to post it on the gram but like it was all about making the perfect protein pancakes which looked perfect that we could post even though it probably tasted a little bit like you know flour I think flowers are generous (laughs) generous that's probably what it tasted like and the other one is um powdered peanut butter it will never replace Mm. peanut butter it will never replace peanut butter PB fit was it? Mm-hmm. We PB2. Yeah, we loved all those mm. things. And I remember at the time when it wasn't really available in the UK, so we'd ship it from the US. iHerb. Please tell me you ordered stuff <gasps> wait, from iHerb. Hey, Quest bars. Quest, Quest bars. And microwaving them and putting peanut butter on them, and they tasted like a rock. But <laughs> we made them into the sh- And we made them into the shape of cookies. Do you remember? Yeah, we used to chop them up them. and then bake them. And we were like, it's a cookie. Oh, if I ate that versus a real cookie now, nah. I just can't. I just can't. 
I want to try one because I was obsessed with them. Mm. Absolutely obsessed. Like if I didn't have them in my house, they for me like a quest bar was a safe dessert. So I would make um I would do the cookie thing, do like do the whole cookie thing. And I used to look forward to that every single day for about three years of my life. And I think like do you remember we got to the point where they actually started to send us quest bars? Yeah. The best day, the dream, best day of the my dream. life. I was like, Mum, I've made it. I am famous. Quest know who I am. And I, I just feel like we need to try them. We definitely need to make this taste test. We need to film I it, think. girls. Okay. We need to share it. Well, we can do this at the Girl Games reunion. Yes. <laughs> the reunion tour. That's what we'll do. We'll just yes. go to different cities and try different foods. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I think I've got the worst. I used to put casein. Do you remember casein? You used yes. to make casein pudding. I used to uh, think it was chocolate mousse. Yeah, cho- oh, chocolate mousse or strawberry delight. And I'd put it in cottage cheese. <gasps> I don't know if any of your your concoctions got as bad as mine when I was bikini competing. I have a really bad one, girls. I used to fry egg whites and put cinnamon and zero calorie syrup on them. <laughs> yes! Tally! And you put cocoa powder in them as well. I I'm sorry. I learned it from you, Tally. I think I learned it from you. I can only <laughs> apologise because... God knows where I learned that from. God knows. Oh, it was wild. I, have, oh. I, I tried that and made myself like it because I thought Tally likes this, so it must be nice. And it I'm honestly so tasted so... like dog. Yeah. <laughs> See, we can laugh about it now, but like, my goodness. Guys, just the one oh. calorie, the one calorie alternatives, the Fry Light, the Walden Farms, the like one calorie spreads that taste <gasps> were purely chemicals and tasted like chemicals but mm. we would tell ourselves tasted like maple syrup yes and literally lived off those yeah those zero calorie maple syrups will never once again taste like nail varnish remover like I can't mm. like that's the closest thing I can think to what it tastes like and we would just so convince ourselves and mm-hmm. okay right Vicky have you got another food rule I feel like, is the podcast going to come with a trigger warning? Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, Because if people don't know, like, I guess my background was I had an eating disorder and it was like in my recovery, I met Zana and Tally. Um, And then I think for a, a large part of Girl Games, I would probably, upon reflection, say I was in this quasi-recovery stage, which I didn't know existed until maybe a year ago. So I went from um, uh, eating disorder to kind of going into bikini competing. So I had all kinds of, a whole kind of relationship with food, basically. And I think one of the things um, that I, like, I know still exists for people who maybe wouldn't class themselves as eating disorder or disordered eating was I was very much into macros and I know the same was was with you as well um Tally like you know we I would weigh everything that I ate everything that I put into my mouth and it had to be planned and it all had to be put into my fitness pal I would be given like macros carbs protein fats to reach and it all had to be planned and put into uh, my fitness pal and I would plan into those things what I would call back then, and this was when I was doing my bikini competing, a bowl, a, a massive bowl of shit. That's what I would call it. And it's that this massive bowl of shit would be made up of like it. It was 
horrendous. Like I would go to Tesco and buy, you know, like the tubs of like cornflake cakes and um, brownies and you get the tubs of all the different ones. And I'd just pile them all into this bowl and force myself to eat it because I knew that um, I planned it into my fitness pal. But the thing that I find really strange is I would, I would eat that because it was planned. But say somebody offered me, say like, a glass of orange juice that wasn't planned so I could I couldn't say yes and I, I just find it absolutely crazy that I would say that I was at the time I was like health I was the absolute figure of health when in reality I would turn down something which you might class as you know more nutritious for the body because obviously it wasn't to do with health back then it was to do with numbers Yes. And I just find it crazy. I have a really strong memory of you and I going to watch Zana in a catwalk show. And we went to Leon afterwards, which is like a really tasty food in London. Like, oh, I miss it so much. I haven't had a Leon in like a year. Love Leon. Love Leon. Um, and you had prepped your food for the weekend you were in London. And you were so hungry and there were snacks there. You could just buy nuts even. You could buy, I don't know, there was, there's like what would have been deemed as, you know, healthy snacks available. But because it was not part of your plan, you would not eat them until you got home and you could have your set meal that you'd made like two days prior and you had to microwave them in Tupperware. Yeah. You were so... Like- um so disciplined those meal prep bags were my life and I if I was going anywhere I had to like even just my Sundays my whole Sundays were spent cooking food for the whole week and oh god bless my mouth and my taste buds (laughs) day three even day three it's not it's not good Mm. Is I it used like, to oh. feel a lot of like guilt that I didn't meal prep because meal prep was such a big thing online and everybody was having these big bags of meal prep food and stuff. And I was like, oh, I should be doing that. I should be cooking all my meals three days in advance and eating cold salmon on a Wednesday that I cooked on Sunday because it was so normalized through social media that that was how you were meant to eat. It just mm-hmm. goes to show how normalized disordered behaviors were. <laughs> and like that I like to think that all three of us could critically evaluate quite a lot of things and you know we I don't think we're necessarily like taken in easily and yet Mm -hmm. we just were like well this is what everyone else is doing this is what the people with the muscles at the gyms tell us we should be doing and that's apparently what being healthy is and I want to be healthy so I'm gonna do that and this is where I've always been frustrated that like you said Vicky like it wasn't really about health because health is inclusive of your mental health and your relationship with food and the ability to not feel guilt and stress and anxiety about not eating the foods that you have planned. But it was actually about control and controlling your aesthetic. And those two things are different. Those those are those are different. But that's what, like, if I went on Pinterest, because, like, oh, God, I mean, I even went through my Pinterest the other day and it's embarrassing. Um, 
and shocking the things I would post because I'm so close yet so far like I know my mindset like I'm pinning things like you're more than your body and yeah I just knew I knew that I didn't believe that like I know that I wanted to believe it but I didn't quite understand it in the way I understand it now and that the health advice was actually dieting advice and that's not necessarily the same thing and and I think this is where we've been online for a very long time now and I go on places like TikTok where I'm seeing this play out again with girls in their early 20s, late teens, early 20s and I'm like, oh no, here we go again. Another cycle of people who are going to think they're being healthy by cutting out XYZ and only eating black bean brownies and then actually it causes them to have this difficult relationship with food. And Tal, what about you? What was your food rule? Well, I mentioned the one about protein with every meal and I have to say a big win for me in terms of getting better with food and like having a much better relationship with food because I was very controlling was being able to eat like pasta and veggies I don't know or sauce or something and a bit of cheese on top which cheese has actually got protein in it but whatever and be like do you know what I don't need to have chicken with this I don't need to have a, a meat or a thing and you know, being able to have, I really like the breakfast of like bagel, peanut butter and banana on top. Just the idea that I have two sources of carbs together was like Mm -hmm. such a big thing for me to overcome. And I take it for granted now that that's a really easy thing for me to eat. But yeah, this obsession with protein. And I feel like that really peaked like a few years ago in general, like the fact that like you had Mars bar protein bar, you know what I mean? Like everything Mm -hmm. had to have a bit of protein in it. And it was suddenly like, wow, this wonder food. I can definitely relate in regards to pasta. And I actually think that was something that I only overcome, overcame like a few years ago. But it wasn't like a, it was just something that I picked up on myself because I developed a level of self-reflection and awareness where I was like, wait, why don't I just eat a bowl of pasta where there's like no tofu in there or no protein sauce or something in there? Um, and then I would challenge myself to to eat the pasta with just the, the cheese or just the sauce or just whatever it was on it. Um, but I was very similar. It was like, I couldn't just have a risotto. Like if I went to a restaurant, yeah. I would never order a risotto because the risotto was just rice. Um, and I couldn't have like just a source of carbohydrates without a protein source it was just something that a rule that stuck with me for longer than most other rules. Because I think most other rules seemed a bit more extreme whereas that one seems a little bit more socially accepted and it's even something where like I'll hear ants sometimes if I cook us just a bowl of pasta for dinner he'll be like where's the protein like it's quite a a normalized opinion even now to be like then why is there no protein in this meal pasta's just just carbs um so I think that was one that for me took longer than anticipated for me to get over that because I actually hadn't picked up on it in myself because it's so normalized it's so subtle do you think going vegetarian and then going more plant-based really kind of forced you to confront that oh yeah and I I remember when I first went veggie I I actually didn't track macros I haven't tracked macros since I went veggie but I was quite obsessed with like making sure that I had protein in every single meal and like worrying that I wasn't going to hit my protein goals because I obviously wasn't eating chicken and fish and stuff which were more dense sources of protein um, but as I settled into eating a more plant-focused diet, I had to accept that like that can't be my number one priority. I can't have like 30 grams of protein a meal unless I'm consciously doing it three times a day, which is just too much effort because I don't think that much about what I eat anymore. I yeah. just eat what feels good and what nourishes my body and like what's in the fridge basically. So I 
naturally, as I started eating a more plant-focused diet, did relax more. But I have to say that when I first transitioned, there was a lot of awareness of protein. And I think because that is said in society, if you do say, oh, I'm going veggie, like, where are you going to get protein then? And it made me think, oh, where am I going to get it? <laughs> so, yeah, but that, that passed within a few months, for sure. Yeah. Just being able to, yeah, I actually really like veggie meals, but I never used to let my, allow myself to have them because it didn't have a protein source in them that I could, you know, it was like a clear bit of meat or fish or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I way prefer stuff like that. Like I love like a good curry or something or, you know, whatever. And it doesn't have to have that traditional thing in it and it tastes really good. And I don't know. It was like eating protein and realizing that not eating protein, should I say, and realizing my world didn't end. I don't know what it was. It like really felt like a really crucial thing. Like we would fall apart as physical human beings if we didn't get enough protein. <laughs> I think it was just because it was so heavily pushed. Like back in the day mm. in the fitness world. And there would be people who would say you know, cut out carbs and then other people would be like, cut out fats, but nobody would be like, cut out protein. It's like all protein, protein, protein. And I remember like, I went through a phase and this was before I did bikini competing where I was eating like, I think it might've been coming to about 200 grams of protein wow. a day. And, and that was way above any other macronutrient. And, um, I remember going to the doctors and my livers were starting to dry out because I was having too much protein for my body but I thought that that's just what that's what you do like protein was the most healthiest thing I was I almost had a mindset of protein didn't have calories like protein just went to muscles it's so strange it is so strange it no, is I used so to eat like 100 180 grams a day I remember that was like my goal my target 180 grams a day isn't it wild I probably eat like 40 50 grams now <laughs> I have I, I have no I have no Mate, idea. I have I mean? no idea, but that's what I'm guessing. Like yeah. a third, a quarter of what I used to eat. And I'm yeah. fine. I ain't dead yet, so Yeah. Do you know what though, to be honest, so I've I've recently my my best friend has just qualified as a nutritional therapist. And I I obviously, you know, went through years of being super obsessed with food like I could go into Tesco and tell you the calories of anything that I looked at and I think to be able to step away from that mindset like and I talk about this a lot like online I had to challenge myself and for me to be able to challenge myself I had to almost go completely against every single thought and belief that I'd created in my mind to be able to step away from it and and just teach myself that I was still going to be alive and kicking if I didn't listen to the to these food rules and I definitely got to a point maybe like last year or so when I just I wasn't even thinking about eating any kind of nutritionally dense foods and I was starting to feel really tired really lethargic I had zero energy and Hannah was like please can we just sit down and just like have a little chat about what you're eating so we did that and to be able to it's almost mad because of how much I knew about food back then I feel like I'm almost back at square one but learning how to eat the right way in and back what I mean by that is looking at health as eating nutritionally dense foods and you know she's very much like you know we want to be trying to get like your vegetable like so basic 
your vegetables in. Try to just get your vegetables in because I would literally go two or three days without eating vegetables, which I think for like Zana, because you, you know, with your with being vegan, like you eat so many vegetables, but I just wasn't thinking about that at all. Um, so I feel like I'm almost like relearning, but in a really positive way in how to nourish myself away from numbers and calories and um, macronutrients. And it just, yeah, it's, it's nice. It feels like a full circle, really. I'm sure Tally has a lot more to say on the elements of like gentle nutrition, but I, I, I agree. And for example, with me eating plant-based, me and Ant got quite lazy recently and we're just eating loads of um, meat alternatives and we completely kind of cut out <laughs> legumes from our diet, which is obviously really important, uh, especially if you're plant-based and you're not eating um, animal products. And we were like, actually, we kind of picked up on it after a few months, like, oh, maybe we should be eating more legumes. And there's no harm in making a positive change like that. Like that isn't, that isn't a, a controlling thing to do. That's just like you taking note of what would benefit your body and make you feel good. Um, and we realized like we're eating processed meat, burger, processed um, vegan burgers like five days a week. Maybe we should try and switch that for legumes sometimes. And it's been great. I think yeah. so. I think you might have shared it, Tally. That that was like a quote, and it was like, "Anti diet isn't anti health." Maybe, maybe it was you. Maybe it was somebody else. Yeah. I'm not too sure. And I think you shared that, or whoever shared it last year. And at that point last year, I was still almost in a bit of a rebellious phase to towards doing anything health because I thought health was diet, and I, I feel like. When, when I read that I was like oh my gosh like I can still take care of my health like I can still exercise and not feel bad for exercising I can still choose like to eat nutritionally dense foods but now I know that my whole my whole reason for eating and like the the mindset towards it is completely different like I can still choose health um but so yeah that really helped me when I saw that and that was literally a, only a year ago that so beautifully describes like the arc of the journey and I think so many people think say like if they want to use intuitive eating as a tool to to work through that process then which is exactly what you're describing that you like go to full rebellion mode which I think is why people and a lot of people in recovery especially eating disorders need to go there because it's like this was so I really need to separate this before I can even return. Like I need to separate the two things. And as we were saying before, dieting is not necessarily about health. Um, and that those two things for a lot of people can be very separate endeavors. And actually when we think about our health, we, we need to think more holistically. And we need to think about like our mental health, our sleep, our, you know, our stress. I know Zana's been talking about stress the past few days. Like all these things are all to do with our health and that being so solely focused on food and exercise is really doing ourselves a disservice because we're not thinking about all the other things and that you may have focused so solely on food and exercise that taking a break from them was the health healthiest thing for you to do in the long term. That that break may be a few years, say, maybe a year, but that if we're thinking long term, like decades you know, the rest of your life, that break's worth it to get you back to that even keel. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the same's with, the same as with exercise as well. And I like to, um, I like to call it like a, pendu like a pendulum effect. It's like, 
say you're like really deep in diet culture over here this is like full rebellion mode only eating donuts sitting on your sofa only marathons and netflix marathons that's okay because that's part of the process but then what we want to do is help people like find their way back to a happy medium that works for them and i think I'm really glad we're having this conversation today because I feel like we are all at our happy medium and we are all, you know, do have that. And yeah, for me as well, I think I had to go through a period of of rest and and yeah, maybe being a bit more rebellious with my food choices. But now I know a salad is a salad and I'm not morally better for eating a salad than I am a burger. And those two things are like, needed at different points in my life and different points in my day some days I really want a salad other days I really want a burger because it's just oh it's and that's okay and I think I'm glad we're all get we're getting to this point mm-hmm. me too do you know what it's funny though because I think I created such a um image when I was in the super you know exercise and eating the way that I did like dieting basically to a lot of the people around me in my life and um I was going on a walk with one of my old school friends last week and she I was on FaceTime to her because she was looking at I was showing Lorenzo um before we left and her mum was like do you want me to make you a wrap as well I can make you a salad one and I was like "Eh, like just salad and my friend was like like why just salad she was like oh because she's healthy isn't she like I'll just make her a salad wrap and I was like oh my gosh like that that was definitely the picture that I painted for everyone definitely like you know oh how much like we say like that identity bit where it's like this is my like personality trait and my identity and when you get considered the healthy one the fit one that to not necessarily want to be that is like you have to say like I've had to have uncomfortable conversations with my boyfriend's family where I'm like yeah just so you know that time when I meal prepped every single meal on holiday with you that was actually very disordered and that wasn't me being healthy that was me not in a good place (laughs) and like having to kind of be like yeah I had a really bad relationship with food and you know I actually eat everything now and like especially me having the label of gluten-free the amount of people that would give me gluten-free things I'm like I'm not gluten-free I eat everything (laughs) you know and having to like go back over that conversation right I'm conscious of time I want to chat about workout rules Mm -hmm. relatively quickly um have you got a a workout rule that I don't know that you've had to challenge and yeah challenge and and realize you're like oh I realized that that was a thing I can throw it all the way back to the bodybuilding days for me. So this is, I feel like we all were in the same phase at the same sort of time we were bodybuilding. I don't know if you guys remember this, but there was this weird attitude online towards cardio. And it was like, Mm. cardio is cardio. Like, don't do cardio. If you do cardio, you'll lose your gains. Um, And I therefore kind of in my head just completely pushed it to the side and didn't think it was for me and I kind of just thought well the only way to train and the best way to train is through lifting weights now skip forward seven eight years I find cardio to be my favorite form of exercise and it's something which makes me feel the best and I look back on that time and I'm like it's such a shame 
it's such a shame that I didn't let myself even explore it because online everyone was saying cardio is cardio and you're going to lose your gains, you're going to have a small bum because you went running, so don't run because you'll lose your bum. Um, and I'm like, how did I let myself not do something that I enjoy because of that? So that was definitely a rule that I had and a rule, rule that I'm so glad that I have broken. I 100% had that. And similarly, I love um, spin. I love being on a bike. I can't wait for gyms to open and to get back on a bike. But that's all, that's all I want to do. And I've even I've got stuff at home that I could be doing body weight. I could be doing more weight workouts. But I'm like, nah. I, I know what I like now. I know what makes me feel really good. And it's doing different things. And I think that's part of my rebellion against that time. Like I'm still rebelling really where I'm kind of like, I'm still figuring out exactly what I want to do because I need to not like the idea of like getting a barbell and going to the gym right now is so unappealing to me because I did it for so, I forced myself to do it for so long. But the idea of like doing a, a dance workout or sweating it out on a bike or going on a big old walk is so appealing. And I really want to do those things. And it's like neat and learning. I suppose my rule is that that there were things I should be doing and there are things I shouldn't be doing. And like one of them is another example is Pilates for the same reason of like, it doesn't make me sweat enough. It's not hard enough. It's not intense enough. I don't burn enough calories by doing a more low impact. I'm not jumping around. Like I should be doing some sort of hit training, but Pilates isn't like what I should be doing. Um, but I really love it. Like that's actually one of the things I have enjoyed doing at home. So I'm really sad that I didn't let myself, ex- same, I'm sad I denied myself doing that. Mm. I thought you Definitely. I can, I can really relate to the cardio thing because I now, so I'm doing the, these like online um, workouts with Mike because he's got his own gym thing. So he's turned it all online for the minute. And I've got the option of going, basically Monday, Wednesday, Friday is weights and Tuesday, Thursday is cardio. And I'm just like, avoid Monday Wednesday Friday at all costs (laughs) and I just come to the Tuesday and Thursday because I I just I love doing it I really love it like I feel so great after it and I got to a point with weights where I didn't I'd go to the gym and do it and I'd leave and I'd honestly feel worse than I did when I went in like I just did not enjoy it and it was quite funny really because definitely a rule for me in the past was like I had to go to the gym and I had to be lifting heavier and heavier and heavier every time I went and if I wasn't then like something must have been wrong I remember sometimes I'd go to physio and I'd be like I just can't get my squat past 110 I don't know why that is like I need you to do something so she'd do all this like activation stuff on me and then I'd go to the gym and be able to lift like 111.25 and like that to me was an achievement and I remember the day when my mindset just switched from that I remember I was in the gym I was doing a hamstring curl and I was it was like to the point where my muscles my hamstrings were fully cramping and I remember just letting it go and I just thought why am I putting every ounce of effort that I have in this world into curling my hamstring and I literally got up and I left and I rang my friend and I said, will you meet me at Starbucks? And I just had this conversation with her and she reminds me of it to this day because she's like, I will never forget that. And I think since that day, my mindset just switched when it, come, when it came to weights. And 
when Mike like first opened his gym and when I go to the group sessions like when it's it, when we were allowed to go and actually train in the gym there was weight stuff involved and he he came home one day and was like okay we're on strength next week like we do we're moving to a strength phase and I just said I just need to let you know that I've got absolutely nothing in me that wants to lift heavy I'm happy I said I'll come and I'll not moan if you you know about what we're doing but there's absolutely nothing in me that wants to lift a weight that's going to make my body feel sore in like joints and things like that which I would completely like having sore joints was almost like an achievement to me in the past because that meant that I had deadlifted 10 times my body and that was an achievement and I was just like no Mike like seven kilos seven to ten kilos love it I'm dead happy I'm having I'm I'm having a gorgeous time and I'm gonna leave and I'm gonna I'm gonna leave feeling good so yeah. yeah I I can relate to this on so many levels and like even now with my weight training like I the only way that I enjoy weights right now is to do it in a circuit like I don't enjoy doing like three sets of 10 reps I don't enjoy that I do not enjoy that anymore and I tried to force myself to do it I tried didn't like it so I'm like no no I this is not for me anymore I'm just going to do weights in a way that I enjoy and when I like it. So I now just do it as a form of circuits. And I lift, I don't know, two thirds, a half of what I used to lift. Don't care. Just enjoy the process of doing it. And like, I I get messages online. I think this is p- part of like having our platform does open us up to people questioning our behaviours. People will be like, oh, don't you lift heavy anymore? Or don't you do this anymore? I'm like, no, because this is what I enjoy. And I don't have to explain why I don't do 100 kilo deadlifts anymore. I just enjoy not even using a barbell, really. I just use dumbbells, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I literally wrote myself a workout to do today. Ran out of time this morning. Hopefully we'll do it later. Um, and I just do things that, like, I'm often training my clients. So I'm like, oh, I want to do that move. I don't know why. I'm like, I want to do that. But here, I only have access to maximum 7.5 kilo dumbbells. That's the heaviest mm-hmm. weights I have at home. I love it. I'm like, this is good for me. I love it. Even when I go to the gym, I like it because I can use more of like the kettlebells and resistance bands. And I like still doing like bodyweight pull-ups and stuff. Like I still love that kind of thing. But the idea of going to a squat rack is so repulsive to me. (laughs) I don't want to go. I'm like, nah, I can't go for the, I, I think what it is, is also, I don't work out from a place of ego anymore. Like there's no ego in what I'm doing. It's literally because I'm doing it to feel good, to move my body, to take some time out, to get maybe if I want to be a bit sweaty, feel a bit sweaty, whatever, put some of my songs on, sing along to my songs. Um, I don't need to prove that to anyone. And I love what you said, Zana, like the idea that we don't need to explain ourselves to anyone or explain our choices. Mm -hmm. Like we can just move and that should be fine. Um, And we don't need to... Yeah. And I should also add, there's this one rule. And sometimes I see this happening, like this narrative online that the only type of form of training you should be doing should always be progressive. And I want to push back against that because I actually think the best thing you can do is always be consistent. And this idea that we constantly have to be on an upward trajectory and always be improving is putting a lot of pressure on us when we don't need it. Like we can just move for the sake of moving and that we should only be buying people's programs if it means xyz and like yeah I get that from a from a coach's perspective but at the end of the day if you just want to do your thing and you don't want to run further than 5k you don't want like that's okay Mm -hmm. oh that is just so important 
because I, I definitely see it online it's been like well if you're not making progress what's the point and I'm like yeah. I'm, not, I'm not doing this to to get that deadlift again or to hit a certain number of pull-ups all the time I just kind of want to do it because I enjoy it and I don't have to follow a 12-week program I don't have to go through strength cycles I don't have to do this don't have to do that if you enjoy it and your clients enjoy it or you personally enjoy putting yourself through it yes go for it but I don't and I don't have to do that to be training in a valid or effective way mm-hmm. here here I like. Do, I personally just like being a bit random these days. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just a bit. Oh, I feel like doing this. Um, and I think I should say there's always a misconception that I obviously talk about intuitive movement a lot. That the misconception is like you literally are just. It is very random always, and I think that's part of the phase of getting to your happy medium. And like I'm still, for me personally, I'm still in that phase of like. I've got past my rebellion phase, but I'm in that, like, I still want to do it how I want to do it. And eventually I might have a goal that I want to work towards. Like, I might want to train for something and I can have a goal and a program, but I can have flexibility with that program. And Mm -hmm. that's really important as well. Like, I know, Zana, you did, like, lots of running recently where you were trying to run a certain thing. But, like, if I think you're trying to run a certain distance in a month, which I personally couldn't do now. Like, I know that that's Mm -hmm. still too much pressure for me. But Mm -hmm. I also know that you're the kind of person where you're like, I should do it like oh I need I was hoping to do 5k today but it's pouring my brain so I'm just gonna me this morning it. yeah me this morning I was meant to go and do 5-6k this morning and I was like oh my god look at the wind no way um but I also am somebody where like I did I had my running phase last summer loved it came out the other end stopped running for a while and people keep messaging me being like oh, are you are you still running how's your running going I'm kind of like oh I just do it when I fancy just do it yeah. when I fancy and also <laughs> the idea that you always need to be a runner and you mm. can't just go be like, I want to do like a bit of running. Oh, I'm going to go to swimming. Oh, I'm going to do my strength training. Like you can actually just do whatever you want. <laughs> like You don't have to like identify as like, and I think, I don't, don't want to put words in your mouth. But for me, I always was like, I do strength training. That's how I train a lot of my clients still. Um, because that's what they've come to me for. And that's what I feel I can best help them with. And I felt like I had to do that exact thing. But actually, I realized, like I said, I like to do all sorts of different things. I like to cross train, essentially. I like to do whatever. Um, And I almost felt embarrassment and shame that I wasn't this, like, you know, gym bro, bodybuilding person who was constantly working towards deadlifts and, like, you know, like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think when I was when I was deciding to come away from personal training, one of the big thoughts that I had was. I'd kind of got to a place where I was just happy to move and therefore I thought my clients because I I was you know just just moving doing kind of what I wanted to but I felt as a personal trainer I needed to program for my clients and you know I would always go off how they felt if they came in and they weren't feeling up to doing what the session was we would we would kind of rearrange it but I was getting them to do things like quite frankly they didn't want to do Mm. um but but I always thought that was best for them and that's what they needed. And I think when I was deciding to step away from personal training, I was in a in a place where I was like, I'm just so happy to move. And as long as they're moving, I'm so happy for them. You know, sometimes they'd come in and they'd be like, can we just go for a walk today? And we'd end up going doing that. And, or can we just play badminton today? And just, just being able to do that. And they but they would sometimes have the thought of think of like we come to the end of the session they'd be like oh I'm sorry like we've not trained today 
And I was like, you have, we've just been for a walk. We've just played badminton. And I think having people believe and know that the only way of training isn't weight training. There's so many other things that you can try and explore. And if you feel good doing it and you get excited to do it. And I don't want to get that like mixed up because sometimes I'm not mega raring to go for me yeah. for my Tuesday morning session um but like I always know that after it I'm, I'm gonna feel great I don't know where do you sit with this Tally I was actually having a conversation with Mike before hmm. coming onto the podcast around because my thought when it comes to training like sometimes I don't really want to do it but I'll put my stuff on and I'll do my warm up. And if I feel ready to do it, I'll do it. If I feel like it just it's not for me today, maybe I'm a little bit dizzy, maybe I've not eaten enough the night before or whatever, then I won't do it. Um, but where do you sit with that when it comes to like intuitive movement? Exactly as you said. Like I always say to people, I like there's a fine line. I think we often it's a fine line between like, am I just like ugh, in that sense of like, oh, I know I feel really good if I do it, but I really like the sofa right now. Like, I really could just lie down and just relax. So I'm like, well, put your kit on, see how you feel. Even like, if you're going to go on a run, start, you know, if you get, walk, go for, start walking, you know, do your warm up, see how you feel. And I think more often than not, you're likely to carry on doing your workout. Um, It might just take a little while to get going. But you're also very entitled to be like, I'm completely allowed to rest. And I like to think of this thing called unconditional permission to rest. In the same way in intuitive eating, you have unconditional permission to eat. Unconditional permission to rest means that rest is always there and you're always allowed to do it. And it's a guilt-free thing. Like it's, there's no there's no judgment attached to whether you choose to rest. But um, that I think actually gives you, knowing that, that, that there's like that safety um, so, what's what I'm thinking of? Safety like, blanket, a safety blanket, or like something to like catch you, if you know what I mean, yeah, like yeah. a safety net, safety net. That's Knowing that, that you've got that safety net, you can kind of take a few more risks and go like, well, maybe I will start my run, and if I get down the street and I'm still not feeling it, I can turn back and no judgment on myself. Um, but I do think, yeah, there's that like, um, am I? like that fine line of like discipline is needed sometimes like sometimes you do just need to be like you know what I have been stuck in the house for three days this is not good for my mental health I know I need to get outdoors and I know that going for this run would really help lift my mood say Mm -hmm. so I'm gonna go but if I want to walk some of it I'm allowed to walk some of it and if I want to come back early I can come back early and I think that's where that's where I land with it like you just have to, you know yourself best. And sometimes like I know myself best. You guys know I'm the biggest procrastinator, faffer, going. Oh my goodness. I procrastinated my training this morning. I wanted to do a workout. I knew I wanted to do it. And then I knew that timing wise, I was like, I'm going to be stressed and rushed for this recording. So I'll do it later. But I'm going to really have to be disciplined with myself to do it later. Because often if I don't do it in the morning, then the day goes and I get stuck in other things and I get distracted. So I'm going to have to be disciplined about that decision. Um, so I think there's certainly, like I say, with the with the, the same with gentle nutrition and intuitive movement, I call it like gentle guidance or, gen, you know, and a, an element of that is the discipline. But you have to feel, be ready to put that discipline back in. And I think a key thing here is if you start a workout 
and you stop, you don't see it as a failure because it's yes. happened to me a lot recently. Like, for example, I went to go for a run probably two weeks ago. I got about 500 meters in, it started pissing it down my brain, and I went, nope, went home. Yeah. I, was, <laughs> I love that you're such a fair weather oh, runner. <laughs> mate, I don't run. I don't run in the rain. I was like, this is not for me. And then the other day, Ant and I, he, we'd agreed that, that evening we were going to do a class together, like an online hit class and we got like 10 minutes in and I just went babe my legs are too sore I can't do this and then I just left him to it on his own and I didn't train I didn't make myself do a different workout I didn't make myself do a longer walk later or do something else I just was like no I'm not feeling it today and it's not a failure to not feel like training it's just you listening to your body and that should be celebrated Mm -hmm. here here okay I'm conscious of time Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to wrap it up by asking you, what has been your most recent train happy moment that you'd like to share? So this is like a moment of intuition where you listen to your body or you honoured it to move, to rest. I don't know. Or you just had a little win where you challenged a rule and overcame it. I would say for me recently, it's just been seeing my work my walks as a workout because I'm really really enjoying going outdoors for a walk right now and even just today I've had a train happy moment so I was going to run this morning and I was like it is grim I'm not going to go for a run it's so windy I'm like okay if it's if it's sunny later I'm just looking outside the blue skies right now like oh I might go for a walk and that'll be my workout today and I know that I will love that and like that is more than enough for moving my body so I'd say today I've had a train happy moment Vic it's a really tough one I've definitely been seeing my seeing my walks as like a workout but I feel like I've been doing that for a while I've been making myself get out on these walks since having the dog which has been good for me because I am a hermit and <laughs> I, like I shit you not if Mike doesn't ask me to go for a walk and it's not a Tuesday and a Thursday so I've not got I've not done my workout I won't move like I will sit and you know at my laptop either on the couch or in my office for the whole day and then I wonder like three days in why I'm feeling like why I'm like mentally struggling so I've been really getting myself to go out and do these walks you know whether it's 20 minutes half an hour and I just feel so much better for doing I feel dead proud of myself when I get home Similarly, if I was to share a train happy moment is I'm really fortunate that we're having work done on our flat at the moment, which meant we had to move out and we've come down to Surrey and we're surrounded by, we've got a common over the road. It's amazing. The incredible walks I've done. I feel so grateful. Um, I get towards the end of them though and I'm like, I'm so beat. Like I get in the car and I'm like, oh, I'm so tired to go and have a bath. Like my legs are not used to this much walking. Um, but even being able to take the dog out on walks and, you know, just go out for an hour has been so good for my mental health and my physical health. Because in London, similarly, I can easily not go outside for days, days. Um, and I keep, And one of the things of my discipline of this whole thing was like, I need to try and make myself go outside, you know, as much as possible. It's, it's been very... Um, what's the word volatile weather at the moment it's raining it's sunny whatever but if when it's especially when it's a nice day I'm like get me outside because I know how important that is for me to have that fresh air and just how lovely it is to like look at trees honestly like it genuinely is proven to like reduce your stress levels and stuff so that's what I'm doing 
I feel that I in my soul. I have loved doing this with you so, so much. We should definitely do it again. Mate, yeah, it. definitely. Um, yeah, it makes me miss doing Fit and Fearless so much. Same. Same. Um, maybe we'll okay. be back. Maybe we will. Maybe we will. Never say never. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Where can everyone find you as individuals? Where can they follow your work and support you? Go for it, Vic. Uh, basically just Instagram at Victoria Neve spelt N-I-A-M-H um, and at the glow up project underscore you I will link, find everything else from there I'll link those in the show notes and I'm at Zana Van Dyke D-I-J-K at the end and um, I'm also on at Stay Wild Swim my business I will put those in there as well thank you so much this has been such a pleasure I love doing it loved it honestly so much fun and that is it for this week's episode of the train happy podcast thank you so much for listening i hope you took something away from this episode and if you did please let me know by sending feedback you can find us on instagram at train happy podcast or even better it would be amazing if you could rate and review the podcast on whichever platform you're listening as it really really helps to support and boost the train happy message And remember, if you have had a recent moment where this stuff has just started clicking for you, then share your story with us via email, trainhappypodcast at gmail.com to become the train happy trooper of the week. And if you have a burning question you would like me to answer, then please send those in too. And it may be answered in our bonus Q&A episodes. Once again, thank you for listening and I will speak to you soon. 